to Ephesians chapter 6. We begin at verse 10. Let's give our undivided attention here to God's holy word. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And then we'll end our reading there, asking for God's blessing on his word in our lives. Well, beloved, as we've come to Ephesians 6.15, the practical importance of the next piece of spiritual armor that Paul mentions is something that I know is understood by every one of you here this morning. How do I know that? Because not one of you came to worship this morning barefoot. Boys and girls, have a look down at your feet. Are you wearing something on your feet this morning? Well, then, in a way, you understand the picture that God, through his apostle Paul, is giving the church here this morning. Perhaps you remember when Christian in Pilgrim's Progress was being shown through the palace called Beautiful. He was taken into the armory. And Bunyan said the next day they took him and led him into the armory where they showed him all manner of furniture, and that is an old word for equipment, furniture, which the Lord, their Lord, had provided for pilgrims. A sword, a shield, a helmet, a breastplate, all prayer, and shoes that would not wear out. And of course, Bunyan is borrowing there from Ephesians chapter 6. Well, it's often been said that an army marches on its stomach, that you need to feed your soldiers. It is also obviously true that an army marches on its feet. Even in our day when soldiers can be inserted by airplane or helicopter or even submarine, when they get there, they need to have the right footwear. Army boots are now specialized into jungle boots, desert boots, winter warfare boots, navy boots, air force boots, and on and on it goes. It may at first be an in, a seemingly insignificant part of armor, 
but it is practically a crucial piece of equipment. Even more so in ancient times when soldiers marched everywhere and fought on their feet. The success of many armies, especially the Roman army in antiquity, was due in large part to the strong, sturdy, supportive, protective footwear that they wore. These specialized sandals, and don't think of flip-flops, they were, they were quite specialized and involved. But these special military pieces of gear were called caligae. Caligae. That word gave the nickname to Gaius Julius Caesar Augustus Germanicus, who was the Roman emperor between 37 and 41 A.D., When Gaius was growing up, his father would dress him up in a little kid's army uniform whenever he went out on a campaign. And so the other soldiers kind of had a nickname for that little boy dressed up as he was, and they called him Caligula, which means little boots. Those are the little boots that he was wearing, Caligula. That's how we know that Roman emperor. And so it's something very well known in the Roman Empire of Paul's day. But Paul takes all that imagery and tells us that in the armor of God, the Christian's feet, in God's grace and by God's provision, are wearing gospel footwear that is perfectly suited to the spiritual warfare and the enabling of them to be able to stand against the devil's schemes. Ephesians 6, verse 15, the NIV translates, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We've looked at the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Well, here... Part of God's armor is the gospel of peace. And and just by way of of side road, we, we should note the obvious overlap and interconnection between these pieces of armor. They're not completely separate from all the others. Truth, word of God, gospel, breastplate of righteousness, they're very interconnected. And that makes sense because ultimately we are clothed with Christ. And it's all in Christ. It's all from Christ. All the blessings that we have in the gospel are, are come from our union with Christ and his covering our lives. But here we have particularly mentioned the gospel and one of its main benefits, peace. The gospel of peace. And Paul doesn't just say that on your feet you're wearing the gospel of peace, but he adds something. He adds a word here that is usually translated as readiness or preparation. Notice he he didn't just say, and your feet fitted with the gospel of peace. He adds something, and that's very significant. The readiness or the preparation of the gospel of peace. What does that mean? 
Uh, some form of that word preparation or readiness is used about 40 times in the New Testament. It's quite a common word. It can be used of preparing a meal or being prepared or ready for Christ's coming or even Christ himself preparing a place for us in his Father's house. And there are lots of different thoughts and views about what Paul had in mind using that word, that kind of word here. Uh, William Gurnall said, as he considered verse 15, I find great variety in the apprehensions of the learned, as he read all the different commentaries that were available to him in his day. He found a great variety. But then he said, and indeed variety, rather than contradiction. Uh, This word does open up all sorts of different thoughts as we take this verse in light of the rest of Scripture. But it seems that when we keep in mind the Roman military sandal, the caliga, and also some of the Old Testament imagery that relates to this verse, connected to this theme, three main ideas seem to be included for us that we should see and by God's grace put into practice. And I think the three thoughts here can be easily remembered by a saying that we used to use when we were kids uh, and when we'd have races against each other. Uh, it's maybe, as I looked at it, it's maybe more of a British saying than a, an American one or a Canadian one. But if we were ready to, set, uh, to race each other, or we were uh, overseeing a race of other kids, we'd often say these three words, ready, steady, go. I don't know if you ever use that language. Ready, steady, go. Often it's ready, set, go. But we always said ready, steady, go. Avo Mark, pret, parte. Ready, steady, go. And that saying quite perfectly, I think, captures the imagery here in Ephesians 6.15. You'll probably remember ready, steady, go long after you might have remembered an outline using the words mentality, stability, and mobility. That's what I had first. And it's apt. Mentality. Stability, when you think of the Roman warrior's boot. Mentality, stability, mobility. But it's perfectly captured by ready, steady, go. Well, first, the mentality that having your feet fitted with the gospel of peace brings to us the mentality, ready, ready. The word ready is actually a good translation of the word that Paul uses. To be ready, to be prepared. In other words, to be ready or prepared for this spiritual battle that we're in. I recently came across an interesting article by a Christian which made the point so well. This is what he wrote. As an American soldier sleeping in the Middle Eastern deserts, 
or the jungles of Central America, I always slept with my boots on. I slept with my boots on because I was in a combat zone. I was going to sleep in enemy territory. I knew before I even laid my head down to sleep that in a moment I could be surrounded by enemy soldiers. Sleeping with my boots on made it possible for me to get up and to respond to the enemy's presence in an instant. And you see the point. To have your boots on means you're ready. Ready for the fight. Now, what specifically is the readiness in the armor of God? It is the gospel of peace. It is the gospel of peace. Now, how is the gospel a preparation for you in this spiritual battle? Well, first and foremost, have you heard and believed the gospel? We come back to that again. Do you believe that you are a sinner? That Christ alone is the Savior and must be your Savior? That you must be in a relationship with him in which you trust him and obey him? A relationship that you live out by faith alone, in Christ alone, for your eternal well-being. The gospel is literally good news for sinners, for you and for me who are born the enemies of God. Remember Romans 5, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? Jesus, the Jesus revealed in the Bible is the Prince of Peace. And most importantly, trusting in Christ brings peace with God. Peace with God. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Only believers have been given and by God's grace can be wearing the armor of God. Only believers have the devil as their real great adversary. Only a Christian is a friend of God and an enemy of the devil. Are you at peace with God? That's the first readiness, preparedness that the gospel of peace asks of you. Are you at peace with God? Do you care about that question? There are many people who don't. But there will be one day for each human being that has ever lived, 
For some, it's already come. For many, it's come. For multitude, it's already come. The moment you die, this will be the only question that really matters. Am I at peace with God? Or have I died his enemy yet? What a solemn thing it is. What a solemn thing. That's why today is the day of salvation. There is peace with God in Jesus Christ for all who would come and lay down their arms and turn from sin and trust in the Prince of Peace. That's the first preparation that there is in the gospel of peace. But if you're a Christian already, secondly, we need to, we need to see what this is saying. Your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Do you see a, a little bit of irony here? You're prepared for battle by the gospel of what? Peace. You're prepared for warfare because of a message of peace. There is a real irony here, if you think about it for a moment. What does the gospel of peace in Jesus Christ bring? Well, yes, for those who trust in him, it brings peace with God and, and peace from God in your heart and, and peace with others in many ways. But it also brings enmity and hostility and spiritual warfare and battle. There is a battle that comes only to those who have received the gospel of peace. Psalm 120, verse 7, I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. That's the experience of, of Christians often in this world. As we're living our lives, the people around us, the world, the flesh, and the devil, in this enmity that the gospel of peace has brought into our lives. Are you ready for that? Are you prepared for that? Do you have your boots on? It was the Prince of Peace himself who said, Whoever acknowledge me, acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. And then this, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on the earth. And here's the real point of the gospel of peace being here in this passage. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Some of you know that experience. Or in John 15, where Jesus said to his disciples, just before he goes to the cross to secure the blessing of peace with God, he says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. And if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. There is an enmity that comes with the gospel of peace. Or 1 Peter 5.8, be alert and of sober mind. 
Your enemy, the devil, is prowling around. Are you ready? Are you prepared? You know, when I was doing different jobs growing up, I used to look forward to the end of the day when I could take off my work boots. I worked with guys that would take them off at lunch. I never did. I didn't want to take them off halfway through the day and then put them back on again. When I took them off, I wanted them to be off for the day. But that time doesn't come in this life spiritually, in this warfare. It will come, but it's not in this life. It's just not. There is a news headline this past week. Ben Roethlisberger retires at 39. Some of you that follow the NFL longtime Pittsburgh Steeler quarterback announced his retirement on Thursday, and this is what he said. It's time to clean up my locker. It's time to hang up my cleats. That's the language that he used, and you understand what it means when you hang up your cleats, when you take off that footwear that's specialized for that activity, uh, you're done. You're, you're finished. You're at rest. He's not on the gridiron anymore. Your feet ready, prepared with the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace brings warfare to the Christian life. And your feet must always be fitted with the readiness that comes from that gospel of peace. Have you been hanging up your cleats in the Christian life lately? And there's all kinds of ways we can do that and all kind of, kinds of motivations for it. Have you been avoiding the battle of your personal fight against sin? It's a battle. You stub your boots on? Have you been conceding to the world or the flesh or the devil? Just say, I just, I don't want to fight that anymore. The good fight of faith in whatever area it is for you in the Christian life. And you're like me at the end of the day, you just want to take your boots off. But God has given you the gospel of peace, peace with God and enmity against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And you have to be ready and keep them on. Keep them on. Why would we be tempted to take it off? Have we forgotten the gospel? Have we forgotten God's love to us? That we would want to quit the battlefield? Have we forgotten his his son-sending, sin-forgiving, heart-renewing, life-changing, heaven-giving love revealed in the gospel of peace, that we would say, well, the fight's just not worth it anymore to me. We've lost, we've lost our perspective. Your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That's a mentality of being prepared for the good fight of faith every day, every hour. 
I'm listening to myself preach, and I'm saying, that sounds like such a downer. But it's true. It's just true. I don't want the battle 24 hours a day either. I know, I know the temptations for that. But the devil hasn't taken his boots off, and he won't. He won't until he's cast in the lake of fire. Rudyard Kipling has a poem, and the chorus just goes, Boots, 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 moving up and down again. There's no discharge in the war. That's true of the Christian. The gospel of peace should prepare us for spiritual battle. You may want cozy slipper spirituality, but that's not a reality. That's a false gospel. And that brings us, secondly, to the next point. Ready, what's next, boys and girls? Steady. Ready, steady. The, the blessing of stability. And here's the imagery. In order to be able to fight, often at close quarters, hand-to-hand, the Roman soldier needed good footing. If he slipped, if he stumbled, if he lost balance, he would be open to attack. One historian says of this footwear, a great proportion of of these uh, types of footwear had hobnails hammered into the soles, a technique which binds the thick leather soles strongly together, which reduced wear and tear, and which gave an excellent grip akin to wearing modern, this commentator, English said, football boots, soccer cleats, Have you worn soccer cleats ever, boys and girls, when you play soccer so that you have good, solid, stable footing? Well, we are prepared, we are ready by the stability of the gospel of peace. Here's the stability that you have in your Christian life, the gospel. You could say the word of God, but the gospel, the gospel, that's your stability. That's what doesn't change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the foundation for your life. He is the rock upon which you stand. There is no greater stability than that. We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And there is only one gospel. Only one. Paul had to write to the Galatians, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who has called you to live in the grace of Christ, you're turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, and so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than then that which you have accepted, let them be under God's curse. Beloved, the devil will do anything and everything to have people ignore or twist or distort the gospel. Like the military sandals, it is the biblical gospel alone that gives stability in the Christian life. And in our day, again, as there's always been, there are so many attacks against the gospel of peace, which biblically must preach 
the doctrine of God's wrath. It is not the biblical gospel of peace if it denies the doctrine of God's wrath and of conscious, eternal punishment. The gospel of peace crumbles if you pull that out like a Jenga tower, a doctrinal Jenga tower. It just falls to the ground. Yet that's what we're seeing. A denial of human depravity or of Christ's sin-bearing, wrath-bearing, substitutionary death on the cross. A denial of what's called penal substitutionary atonement, which refers to the doctrine that Christ died on the cross as a substitute for his sinful people, that God imputed the guilt of our sin to Christ, and he, in our place on the cross, bore the punishment that we deserve. When that is denied, you have no gospel, and there is no good news for sinners. We need to stand steady on the biblical gospel. We don't deny penal substitutionary atonement. We cry from bended knees of gratitude, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. It's the gospel of peace. Only God's word, only the gospel of peace in the Bible is solid ground on which to stand and from which to witness to the world. Beloved, the church has a unique position and message and privilege and duty. We are the pillar and ground of truth. Jude said, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's people. We need to fight for the stability of the biblical gospel of peace in our day. We need to know our Bibles, know what the gospel is, and believe it and defend it and proclaim it. That's solid ground. And the gospel gets diluted or it gets mixed in with all kinds of other things, political, social, economic, whatever it is. The gospel speaks to those things. As Christians are saved and they live out their lives in those areas. But they are not the gospel. We preach Christ crucified. That is stable ground from which, on which we stand and from which we fight. Are you ready? Are you at peace with God? Are you steady? Do you know the gospel in the Bible? Then we ask, how can others be at peace with God? Jews demand signs, Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, 
And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. As you live and work and witness, you have the stability of knowing. Here's the way that the gospel also gives stability. It is the only gospel, biblically, to stand on. But it also gives you stability because you know in the gospel of peace, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? And who shall shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. Those things can't separate us from Christ, our Savior. What stability you have as a Christian as you fight and take your stand in this world. The stability of the truth of God, the truth of the gospel, and the stability that if God is for you, no one can be against you. Can't you just see the Roman soldier planting his feet on the ground, ready to fight? That's the gospel of peace, doctrinally and experientially for the Christian. You have stable ground. And that leads, thirdly, because not everyone is at peace with God and, and we're, we're concerned about that. We love our neighbor as ourselves. Ready, steady, go. Go. The mentality of battle, the stability of the gospel, and the mobility that God calls us to. Both Alexander the Great and Julius Caesar were known for surprising their enemies by showing up where they were not expected. And that was accomplished by remarkably long marches that the soldiers were able to perform. The Roman military sandal enabled great mobility for the Roman army. Shouldn't the gospel of peace do the same thing for us? You have been blessed by the gospel of peace. You've heard about Jesus. So many people haven't. The gospel, said Charles Hodge, should add wings to our feet. Will it always be easy or smooth or level ground? Of course not. Your feet have been fitted, though, with the gospel of peace. The gospel motivates us to be a going people. It motivates, it commands us to be a going people. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, Mark 16. Mary Slessor, who is the pioneer missionary to Calabar, modern-day Nigeria, said of that verse, this command is exceedingly broad. You see, it is not look at, but go into the world. Then it is all the world, not the nice and easy places only, but the dark places, the distant places, then to every creature, to the low as well as to the high, to the poor as well as to the rich, to the ignorant as well as the learned, the degraded as well as the refined, to those who will mock us as well as to those who will receive us, to those who will hate us as well as to those who will love us. We need to keep gospel shoes on our feet. Mobility. We need to be praying for and supporting missions and missionaries. If your feet are fitted with the gospel of peace, 
you need to be talking to your neighbors. You say, I don't know enough. I don't know everything about the gospel of peace. I know I don't. But I know who Jesus is. The Prince of Peace, and I can point other people to him. You don't need to know very much to point. Do you? You can point. Even if you can't do anything else, you can point. As a congregation, we need to pray that we would be biblically mobile with the gospel of peace. Biblically created, creative with the gospel of peace. Not compromising, point two, stability. But with a holy creativity. The elders love the work of the Outreach and Visibility Committee. Maybe the Lord's laying it on your heart to be part of that. To be thinking and praying, how do we reach out? How can we be visible? You know what that is? That's having your feet fitted with the gospel of peace. That's what it is. So that you're ready to go. You're ready to go. Gurnall says, the man whose feet are well shod fears no ways, but goes through thick and thin, foul and fair, stones and straws, All are alike to him who is well shod, while the barefooted man, slenderly shoed, shrinks when he feels the wet and shrieks when he steps on a sharp stone. May that not be us. We have the gospel of peace on our feet. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news who proclaims peace, who brings good tidings, who proclaims salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Years ago, a Christian in India walked barefoot from village to village preaching the gospel. His biographer writes, after a long day and many miles, he came to a village where he tried to preach, but he was rudely spurned. He went out of the village, lay down under a tree, and fell asleep from sheer exhaustion. He suddenly awoke and saw people looking at him. He thought they had come to hurt him or even kill him. But the head man of the village explained that when they saw his blistered and bleeding feet, they knew he must be a holy man. They had been wrong to reject him. They wanted to hear the message that he had walked so far to bring them. How beautiful. How beautiful. And of course you see, don't you, that he was not really barefooted at all. His feet were fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Will our neighbors, will our community see our blistered and bleeding feet? in our efforts to speak of Christ to them? Feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. May it be.